because this particularly talks and mentions about an arrow. Now, just to set this in context, just to set this in context, it's part of the suffering servant songs of Isaiah. Isaiah introduces us to this really strange figure, the suffering servant, the servant of the Lord. We don't really understand him. He's kind of messianic. He's, the word Messiah means anointed one, one who's come with authority, who's come with the kingly anointing, and yet somehow this Messiah in Isaiah's description is not just the king, it's not just the anointed one, but somehow he's the suffering anointed one. He's the suffering servant. And somehow we don't understand, of course we understand looking back, because it's all about Jesus, they didn't understand, but somehow through his death, through his suffering, through him giving himself, God's people were going to be redeemed, they were going to be set free, they were going to be liberated. So whenever we're talking about the suffering servant or the servant of the Lord in Isaiah, it's talking about Jesus. And of course, as Christians, we're in Christ. We're in the suffering servant. We're in the Messiah. So actually, everything about this passage can be related to us because it's all about Jesus and we're in Jesus. Now, that's just a little bit of uh, contextualization for you. Otherwise, you think, am I taking this out of context? In one sense, yes. In another sense, no, because it's all about Jesus and therefore we're in Jesus and it's actually, therefore, all about us. So let me just read it to you. It's headed up the servant of the Lord. Interestingly enough, it starts off, listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Uh, that's the NIV. Anybody got the ESV? I bow to your greater spirituality, Kevin. The ESV. <laughs> and what does it say? Coastlands. And some of you, if you know your New Frontiers history, we used to be called coastlands before we were called New Frontiers and it was from these scriptures that Terry named us originally coastlands not because we were on the south coast of England that was totally misunderstood that's why we later changed it to New Frontiers but actually it was called coastlands because in the New American Standard Version or now the uh, the ESV translates it coastlands it was about the distant islands it was about the ends of the earth and if you were in Jerusalem and do you remember Jesus prophesied that the early church would go from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to where? The ends of the earth. If you were the ends of the earth, I'll tell you where the Romans called the ends of the earth. It was Britannia. This was literally the ends of the earth. So you are sitting in the fulfillment of these promises right now. And it kind of neatly links into our history as well. But listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. And this is the servant of the Lord speaking, but because we're in Christ, we can apply it to ourselves. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, he's made mention of my name. We haven't got time to look at this this morning. Last night with our leaders here, we were just looking about the significance of God's calling. The significance that we're none of us are here by chance that actually God sovereignly has been working on our lives. And God has called us just like the servant of the Lord before we were born. You might think you chose Jesus. You might think I've made a decision to follow him. The truth is he has chosen you. He's made a divine decision to call you. And the amazing thing is 
Scripture not only tells us that it was before you were born, it tells us it was a very long time before you were born. It says, actually, in Ephesians chapter 1, before the world was created. That's a pretty long time ago. Some people think it was a few thousand years. Some scientists would say it was a few more than that. But it was a very long time ago. Before you had a chance to do anything good, anything bad, before you had a chance to impress anyone or depress anyone, God chose you. He wanted you to be you. He has a passion and a heart for you as an individual and he has placed you exactly where he wanted to place you. He's placed you in the nation of your birth. He's placed you in the family of your birth. He's given you the character and characteristics that you've got. He knew which womb to put you in. He knew which area you should grow up in. He knew which school you should go. He knew which friends you should have. And he has shaped your life for one end and one end only, that you might come to know him and hear his message and be propelled into a future of significance and purpose for him. He's prepared you for that. Now, in a moment, we're going to find out it's being prepared like an arrow. That's the context of this scripture. But just get this straight away. God has been working on your life. God has been preparing your life. God has been working on you. And I don't know if you're like me. You're probably not at all. But I always used to want to be somebody else. I wanted to be a pop star on the television. I wanted to be an actor. Or I wanted to be a sports star. Or I wanted to be whatever. You know, whatever. I wanted to be some, or, or I wanted to be my cousin. Or I wanted to be, you know, live with my auntie and uncle. Or I was, you know, I wanted somebody else's body. Or I wanted somebody else's mind. Or is that just me? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> where's Pat? Where's Pat? I'll have some counselling. <laughs> But it's true, isn't it? Most of us are not happy with ourselves. We're not particularly happy with our frame. We're not always happy with our intellect. We're not always happy with our abilities, our natural abilities. We always want somebody else's. But the truth is this, God has made you you and given you those abilities because they're all the abilities you need to fulfill the call of God on your life. And if you look back on your life, so-called circumstances have conspired together to bring you to this place where you've chosen God. But do you know what? It was God moving heaven and earth that you might have revelation that he's already chosen you. And you might not be a Christian here this morning and you might be thinking, what on earth is he talking about? Well, I'd just like you to think about your life. Why are you here? What circumstances have conspired for you to be here this morning? Is it a coincidence? Is it luck? Is it chance? I believe it's an almighty God who has his hand on your life and is bringing you through to a purpose. If you're struggling this morning with identity, if you're struggling this morning, who, are, how, who am I? Where do I fit in? I've made some bad choices in life. Life has dealt some bad choices to me. I've had a pretty poor upbringing. I've had a pretty poor... Joseph, in the Bible, had a pretty poor start in life. He's came from a dysfunctional family. His brothers didn't like him. They were going to kill him. They sold him into slavery. Then when he starts to be sold into slavery, his boss's wife lies all about him. Then he goes into prison. He has a pretty poor life. He has a pretty poor deal thrown to him. And yet we know God is working in that sovereignty. And as God has truly worked in Joseph's life, God is at work in your life. You have been, as this scripture has says, you've been called and you've been brought to birth in him. It goes on to say, 
He's made my mouth like a sharpened sword. And in the shadow of his hand, he hid me. We haven't got time to look at that. Let's go on to the next bit. He's made me like a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. Now, this thing about being made into an arrow. When I was a child, I used to make bows and arrows pretty poorly. I used to like to go out into the woods where we lived in the south, and I used to like to get a, you know, a branch of a tree, nice and flexible, got some string out of the kitchen, much to my mother's displeasure, uh, get a knife, ruined one of her favorite knives, and you know, made this, uh, I still do that to this day, and says, you know, why use a proper tool when a kitchen knife will do? You know, it's to hand, it's in a drawer. Don't keep it in a drawer if you don't want me to use it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I would make this bow and arrow and, uh, you know, you'd pull it back and, you know, the arrow wouldn't be very impressive, the bow wouldn't be very impressive. But I kind of get the idea that it takes a bit of crafting to do that, to make this bow and arrow. And it's like God has crafted you as an arrow. It's a very simple metaphor, it's a very simple point. He's crafted you because he is going to fire you, send you somewhere for maximum impact. When you use a bow and arrow in warfare, the whole idea is that bow and arrow is going to take something out or take someone out. Even if you're using it in target practice, it's going to hit the target at the right point. And do you know what? Because we're in his hands, we're in the master archer's arms, we're in the master archer's hands, his arrows hit the target because he has prepared that target. And God is crafting you as an individual just like an arrow. And sometimes you go through difficulties in life and it just feels a bit painful, you need to know it's God's hand crafting you as an arrow. First of all, the arrow is taken out of the tree. You know, you were happy in the tree. You swayed gently in the breeze when the, when the breeze blew. You know, you, you, were, you were in the company of other trees, but somehow almighty God, and it felt a little disturbing at the time. It felt a little uncomfortable at the time, but God got hold of you. He got hold of your life and he plucked you, he cut you out of a tree. And you are now of a different order. Yeah, you're made of the same stuff. You're still the same flesh and blood, but you are now called to a different destiny. You're not just called to sway in the breeze of culture, not just called to sway in the breeze of a tree, but you are a weapon in the hand of Almighty God. You're a tool in God's hand. He's chosen you for purpose, not just so that he might, you might be a trophy on his mantelpiece, but he's chosen you for purpose. He's chosen you for his pleasure. He goes on to say this arrow is polished. And that sounds lovely, doesn't it? You know, polished. But actually, it means sanded. <laughs> it means cutting away all that isn't straight. And that's called discipleship. So when we become a Christian, it's lovely, isn't it? Like children, they're all perfect when they're born. But do they grow up perfect? No, they need to be trained. They need to be trained to say yes and not to say no. They need to be trained to go in the way of the Lord and not to go in their own way. Jemima at breakfast was just helping herself to all the wrong kinds of food and Charlotte and Raj were having to say no, no to that, yes to that. You shouldn't be eating too much of that, you should be. Because naturally we tend to want to go one way but God shapes us and God cuts things off us. God trims us down and it can be a little bit painful. It can be a little bit difficult. Joseph encountered so many difficulties. 
his brothers rebelling against him, his slave owner's lying, his slave owner's wife lying about him. He encountered all these difficulties. But actually, do you know what? It's actually as we encounter those difficulties that God's dealing with us. I want you to know, when you're going through trials and troubles and tribulations, and many of us in this room, I would say all of us in this room have gone through trials and troubles and tribulations, it's not just bad luck or bad karma or just the way it goes in life. Life's a little bit tough. Just life's like that. No, God allows you to go through difficult times. God allows you to go through troubles so that stuff might be trimmed off you and that you might be straightened so that when you're fired and sent, you don't go like my little bow and arrow used to go, which was, you actually go, and hit the target properly, just like Robin Hood. When you go through trials, when you go through tribulations, you need to know God's hand is upon you. Last night, Simon uh, brilliantly read from Romans chapter 5 at our leaders' meeting, and I think this just sums it up brilliantly. We read it last night, and I'll just read it again. It's Romans chapter 5, and it says this. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. It's good, isn't it? We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. could be a good song. But we don't tend to sing the next line in a song. Not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Not many songs about that, are there? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint because God has poured the Holy Spirit out into our hearts. You see, God is at work in you. He's at work in the trials. He was at work in Joseph's life, through the trials, through the difficulties, through the pain, through the problems. I came across this quote by a saint of old from last century, a great commentator on Bible characters, F.B. Meyer, and he says this, trials, difficulties, are God's vote of confidence in you. (laughs) Do you know God has confidence in you? Look how many trials you've got. It says in the New Testament, he disciplines or corrects or straightens out those he loves. People think God must hate me so much I've gone through this difficulty. The truth is God loves you so much. He's allowed you to go through that difficulty that you might be changed, that you might be like an arrow straightened out. And then, to make matters worse, a fletcher or somebody who's making an arrow doesn't just cut it out, doesn't just cut off the bits that are unnecessary, doesn't just sand it down. Actually, what, an art, what a fletcher does, it doesn't say this in the passage, but I looked it up on, on the internet, and what a fletcher does is then put the arrow in a frame and stretches it. And God does that to you at times. Some of you right now feel stretched beyond your capacity. You think, I can't take any more of this. Yes, you can. It's God who sets a high watermark on what you can cope with and what you can't cope with. It's not the devil. It's not the enemy. It's God who is stretching you. And you're in situations at the moment at work. You're in situations in your finances. You're in situations in health. You're in situations with your refugee status. You're in situations with your employment. You're in situations with your neighbours. You're in situations even in this very church. And you think, it's so stretching. I just feel like I'm being stretched beyond my capabilities. That's, Joseph was like that. He was stretched in Potiphar's household. Actually, he rose to the top. 
He was stretched in the prison. He rose to the top. Joseph keeps getting stretched by God. And it's, it's during those stretching periods that you're again getting straightened out. That again, your roots are going to change the analogy. Your roots are going so deep down into God. I came across this passage in Jeremiah. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He'll be like a tree planted by water that sends out roots to the stream. It doesn't fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Why? Because its roots go right deep down. And actually it's in times of drought and difficulty and trouble that your roots go deeper down. I think I've told you this analogy before. I think it may even be last time I was with you, but um, I just love saying it, so I'll say it again. I don't know if any of you will remember the great storm of 87. I mean, some of you weren't born in 1987, Lizzie, but uh, who remembers the great storm of 87? Well, that's because you were in the south, because in the north it was a mild wind. <laughs> it really was. It was a mild wind in the, in the south, in the north. But in the south, you know, because we like to exaggerate things in the south, it was a hurricane. It was this incredible wind. In fact, the epicentre of this hurricane actually hit our hometown in Hastings and several people died. In fact, more people died in Hastings than anywhere else in the country on that night. And there was havoc and there was all sorts of dreadful things happened. The next day, Anne and I walked through our park. We have a beautiful park in Hastings, don't we, Derek and Helen, called Alexandra Park. Beautiful specimen trees and all the tallest trees, all these beautiful Scots pines that were, in, you know, beautiful, thought they were so strong. Actually, one by one, they all had gone down that night. Literally, all of them had gone down. And we've got photos of us as little tiny people sitting on these massive trees. Because Hastings only generally used to ha has a nice, gentle breeze. And do you know what? Nothing had tested those trees. Nothing had caused those trees' roots to go right deep down. So when the real wind hit, they just were just decimated. Out on Romney Marsh, not many people know where Romney Marsh is. Romney Marsh uh, has a place in it called Dungeness, which is such a difficult place. It's, such a, it's just not a pretty place. It's never going to be designated as of outstanding natural beauty. In fact, when they built the Dungeness nuclear power station on it, it actually improved the view, not lessened it. <coughs> But on Dungeness Mart, it just is a, like a promontory that goes out on the south coast and it is just exposed all the time to the prevailing southwesterly winds. It's just an inhospitable place, really, and the winds just come all the time. And there are all these trees on Romney Marsh that kind of lean into the wind. They're all a bit gnarled. They all, they all look a bit misshapen by the wind. Uh, but do you know how many of those trees went down? The same hurricane force hit there. None of them. I'll tell you why, because they in adversity, in daily adversity, in daily wind conditions, had learnt to put their roots deep down. That's a slightly different analogy, but it's the same principle. In trouble, God straightens you out. In difficulties, your roots go down into him, and you know and you learn what it is to draw water. When the sun's shining, when it's all fine and peaceable, when there are no troubles, when finances are great, when there are no health issues, when there are no struggles, when there are no employment problems, you don't need God. You're quite capable of leading your own life. But suddenly, when you hit trials and difficulties and problems, you cry out to God 
and God deals with you and God straightens you out and God works in your life. And then the arrow is treated with oil. It's interesting, isn't it? I read that. The arrow is treated with oil. It's cut away, it's trimmed off, it's polished or sanded, it's stretched to beyond breaking point, and then it's treated with oil. Now, I'm not saying there's anything in terms of the order of this, but we know that oil in the Bible is always to do with the Holy Spirit, the anointing oil, and the oil of the Spirit. And I believe God wants to anoint these arrows. There's arrows here this morning that are actually a little bit dry. There's arrows here this morning that have been stretched beyond breaking point. There's arrows here this morning that have just been through difficulties and troubles. God's working, but you're not supposed to be dry. You're supposed to be supple. You're supposed to be well-oiled in the spirit. You're supposed to be those who straighten up and fly right when you're sent and don't just go like my schoolboy arrow. They really do hit the target because you're supple, because the oil of the Spirit is upon you. It's so important that our churches, this church, Jubilee Church, was birthed out of a Spirit, was out of the Holy Spirit. It was birthed out of the Spirit doing something amongst us. We embrace the Holy Spirit, our distinctives, right from the beginning. The first sermon I ever preached in this church in October uh, 1998 was the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he's called me to preach good news to the poor. And it wasn't about me, it was about you we embrace that as our distinctives and our first distinctive was receiving the spirit or receiving God, receiving him being people other than ourselves being people that we know we need God in this world we need God to fill us, we need God to empower us if we're ever going to find the target if we're ever going to fulfil what God has for us we need to be empowered by the spirit, you see it was the spirit ultimately that sent these believers, I referred to that passage that Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem for the spirit And he says, when the Spirit comes on you, then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to Britain, to the ends of the earth, or Eritrea, or wherever it is you're going. It's the Spirit that propels us. And today, I'm believing God that many of us are going to be freshly filled with the Holy Spirit, freshly encounter the Spirit. And then lastly, it says in this passage about this arrow... He's concealed me in his quiver. This could be the most frustrating part of the process. You've been cut out of the tree, taken out of the world, as it were. You've been worked on by God. Things have been cut away from you. You've been polished. That gnarly bit has been taken off. Those difficult character bits have been worked on. He's straightened you out. He's given you difficult circumstances in which it's forced you to put your roots into him and forced you to be straighter than ever. He's anointed you, filled you with the Holy Spirit, and then what happens? He puts you in a cold, dark place. (laughs) You're like hidden away. You think, hang on, I thought my life had destiny. Hang on, I thought I'm prepared for something. Hang on, I'm supposed to be doing damage to the enemy. I'm supposed to be a weapon in his hand. I'm supposed to be planting a church. I'm supposed to be invading my school and my college. I'm supposed to be a witness in my neighbourhood. I'm supposed to be this person who Raj was talking about who celebrates jubilee in life. But it's so, I'm just, it's dark at the moment. I'm not finding breakthrough at school. I'm not finding breakthrough at work. Listen, you might be in a dark place. 
You might be hidden away, but just like Joseph, who was hidden away in a dark place, in a prison, there comes a moment in time, there comes a destiny in God, there comes a time when Almighty God finds you because he knows where he's put you, and he takes you out, and just like Joseph, you're fired into your destiny. Just like Joseph, you hit the target. Just like Joseph, suddenly, words that Paul and Jill have had for years suddenly are opening up. Suddenly, conversations at school suddenly change. Suddenly, things that are different at work, suddenly in your neighborhood, somebody asks something, somebody's ill, you lay hands on the sick, something happens, God opens the whole thing up. You get sent by God. Don't worry. Don't moan. Don't be negative. I'm all alone in my, or, you know, I'm all hidden away in my, in my quiver. I'm kind of, no, you're not hidden away. You're not alone to start with. There's a quiver full of arrows in there. There's others of us in there. But secondly, you're not there without purpose. You're there for purpose. You're there so that when God chooses to get hold of you, he can and he will fire you into the situation he wants. Now, I believe to end this message this morning, God is giving fresh hope to people who felt hopeless. God is giving fresh purpose to people who feel purposeless. God is giving fresh definition to people who don't feel defined. He's giving fresh significance. He's sharpening you so that you might be sent and you might be propelled into all that he has for you. I believe in this church, God wants to give far more significance in leadership. Now, we just tend to think of leadership in the church. Yes, God wants to double and even triple the elders' numbers here. It's great to have three. I was sitting in a church last week of a similar size to this, and we just appointed seven elders. I thought, yep, because we want to send some off to plant churches. We want to train others up and equip them. That's great. But we always always think of leadership in terms of eldership. Leadership is about what you're doing tomorrow. Leadership's about the impact you're having in your school. Leadership's not about position, it's about influence. It's not about a title or a label, it's about who you are. In that business boardroom, in that school or classroom, in that neighbourhood, God wants to sharpen your leadership and give you significance. And he wants to empower you. There's going to be, you're just as much a prophetic person in the business environment or the school environment than you are on a Sunday morning. And it's good to come and prophesy on a Sunday morning, but God wants you to learn, like Joseph, to prophesy before Pharaoh. Spiritual gifts aren't just to learn about in the prison. Spiritual gifts aren't just to learn about in the family. Spiritual gifts are to learn about in life. And God wants us to be a spirit-filled, a spirit-anointed people in life. I believe that God's going to give you more and more influence amongst the poor and the marginalised. But actually the poor and the marginalised have not had a voice for the last few years. For all that's happened with economics, all that's happened with difficulties, the poor and the marginalised have been silenced, but God is giving a voice to the poor, to the downtrodden, to the marginalised. He's giving a voice. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you to preach good news to the poor, to lift them up, to give them dignity and a hope and to give them a future. God's going to give you influence in the political world. God's going to give you influence amongst the makers and shakers of Teesside and Yorkshire and Durham and the North East. He's going to give you national and even international breakthroughs in that. He's going to give, there's some young people here, God's going to give you breakthroughs in your school. 
that you're going to find there's a, there's, you're going to lead your classmates to Christ. University students, it's going to happen as well. Amongst our asylum seekers and refugees, God's going to give us influence. God's preparing us as a people to break in and to break through. Now, if you feel that's you, if you feel the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, or I really would like him to be on me for this, but you feel, hang on, I'm being stretched at the moment, it's a bit difficult at the moment, or I'm hidden away, or I haven't yet been filled or anointed with oil. But if you feel these things resonate with me, I'm one of these arrows that needs to be fired. Why don't you stand right now as we close? Now we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come on us. And what's going to happen is that, because the Bible says this, he gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And we're going to ask right now for the Spirit to come on us. It may be that you want to go and pray with some people. That's great as well. But I believe God's preparing an army of arrows here. Teesside beware. In fact, the enemy is quaking this morning. The enemy is fearful. We think we're fearful of the enemy, but do you know what? The enemy is fearful. When the people of Israel went into the Promised Land, they said, oh, it's a bit scary. They look like giants there. When Rahab, the prostitute, talked to the spies, she said, we've been scared for ages about you. The enemy's frightened. The enemy's fleeing. The enemy's scared because the purposes of God on Teesside are coming to bear. God's preparing arrows. He's preparing you to fulfill your destiny in God, to fulfill your calling. Now I pray, come Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Just come to us. Now just start to welcome him. Just start to ask him right now to fill you. Ask. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Will not my Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's the Spirit we need. It's His filling we need. Now, some of you this morning are coming back to God. Just tell Him you're back. Some of you are actually giving your lives to God this morning. Tell Him I'm yours, Lord. I'm an arrow for you. Some of us have been ready for a long time, feel hidden away. But actually, he wants you to know you're secure in the quiver. You're safe in the quiver. And very soon now, he's going to take you out and fire you into your destiny and his purposes. Now come, Holy Spirit. Now what I suggest we do, is just like Anne taught us earlier, let's just wait on him and then let's just start to sing to him. You might want to sing out in your, the language you've been given, or you might want to sing out in the heavenly language you've been given. But I believe as we start to sing, as we start to experience his presence, he's just going to liberate us and set us free. I would love the ministry team, I'd love elders, leaders, people who are uh, equipped for this, just to be really, really sensitive to God at the moment, and just to go around and pray and bless what God's doing. Because God will start to fill people, he will set people free. So let's focus in on God. Let's start just to lift our voices to him. Yeah. Come on, Lord.
and fill your people. Come, O God, come, O Lord, come and fill your people, come and fill your people.